0: hey everybody welcome to generation church podcast a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding god's family because of jesus for generations to come my name is john i'm the engagement pastor here and i'm sitting here with Kyle, our lead pastor. You've added some more stuff to your house this week, John. I know, right? You got to see the guest bedroom now. We have to prepare because it's actually exciting. uh, Next month, we have a couple friends who are coming out and visiting, so we're excited to kind of show them the area, um, what God's doing here, and allow them to interact
1: with some of what's going on here. It's really cool because you're becoming more, like, rooted. Like, this, the the space is filling up. Like, stuff not only changes for us as we gather on Sunday, but space the space in your apartment changes almost weekly i know
0: it's like it's becoming home and more like home every day and it's more like let's just be real it's more like hannah's been here longer and longer i was gonna say she tweaks it she
1: tweaks it every week which is a good thing it's a good thing that's why god gives us wives is so they can help beautify the spaces that we exactly and i think it's really
0: funny um one of the things (laughs) you talked about this weekend is almost like this minimum kind of thing and i don't know about you if you ever had a time like before you and ruth were really together and like you lived in your own space but i very much for a while i lived the minimum lifestyle here like i had a the when i first moved in i had an air mattress on the floor in the bedroom Mm. then i got a bed and that's about all that i had in there I had a TV that sat on a ironing board, uh, so it was propped up so I could actually see it if I were to stay in there at night. And while Caleb was here, I think I had the couch and no dining table. So okay. we got comfy
1: on the couch to eat dinner at nights. And so well, let's just say it's a little different. Let's let's say that Ruth and I are about the opposite. Um, she is constantly purging at our oh, really? house. It's, it's, we're downsizing, cleaning, getting things out. She does like to rearrange the furniture. We did that actually again last night. We were shuffling couches and bookshelves and all kinds of things around. I tend to be the accumulator. Oh, really? So I'm like... Uh, I I see something. Oh, oh, that that can go somewhere. That can fit somewhere. (laughs) Like let let's get more. So she, does, she is a little bit more the decorator, but I tend to be the accumulator. So I, That's I, important. if it wasn't for her, I might be on that hoarder show. Probably not quite that bad, but that might tell you a little bit Warm. something about my propensity to accumulating stuff.
0: Well, I'm glad we're going through a sermon series called Give Over Get. <laughs> uh, I think you really need to take it to heart. Allow God to uh, just speak to you, uh, reveal himself, and uh, maybe transform you from the inside out. I think Ruth would be really happy happy with that she's like no more get a little more give let's (laughs) go exactly so speaking of that we went through our teaching uh, this past Sunday and you went to Luke Uh, chapter 10, you went through uh, two stories, you went through the parable of the Good Samaritan, and then you even went down through the end of the chapter through uh, this little uh, story of Martha and Mary. We'll get to that later, but I thought it was interesting Mm -hmm. because usually whenever people think of this Good Samaritan, like this parable of it, um, most of us are kind of used to this. It's the whole question of who is your neighbor Um, and that question, and Jesus poses uh, this story where he gives three examples of people that pass by this guy who was broken and hurt. And the two people that came before, you're like, oh, of course that would be the person to help them because it's the it's the priest and the Levite. And it's like, yeah, of course they would help out. And let's just say they didn't. Yep. And the one person that comes by and helps is the Samaritan, which uh, I always laugh whenever like commentaries are like, good Samaritan being together. It's just kind of like a Jewish joke because they didn't like the Samaritans. Yep. They always viewed them as... Bad, broken, like they were the outcasts of the people that they didn't want to be yep. around. They would avoid that land if they yep. ever had to travel. And so you went to this story uh, and kind of dug through it. And I thought it was interesting because I'm so used to this coming out as the question of who is your neighbor? Um, but you kind of flipped it on its head. And I don't know if you did this intentionally, but at least the way in which I noticed it is that you almost made this shift from who is our neighbor to how can I be a neighbor? Mm. Was that intentional? Is that how you wanted it to come across? Or what was kind of your thought process behind that?
1: Well, we're in the series Give Over Get. And so over two weeks so far, we've looked at how you've got to have a priority of Give Over Get and how you've got to have the character of Give Over Get. So who you innately are, like it just spills out. Like you, you it no second thought. You're just a generous person, or, or you live in such a way that it's, there's grace steeped in your relationships, and that's, that's really what we talked about this week. And what I saw and what I see in this passage is this almost assumption of, well, yeah, like, and maybe it's just because I've heard the story a long time, and I'm just so used to this kind of good Samaritan, but it's like, yeah, there's not supposed to be any dividing lines or distinctions. Yeah. Like, like all people are welcome in God's family. Yeah. Like all people are, are supposed to be God wants all people to be journeying him and, and getting closer with him and, and following him. And so when this lawyer asks, so who is my neighbor? Again, he wants to dry this, draw this dividing line, this distinction. And Jesus kind of just sets that aside and says, well, there are no distinctions. A good neighbor can come yeah. from anywhere. So let's look at, what an actually a good neighbor is because it can come Mm. from anywhere. And so the shift was primarily the function of the series. Um, I think this passage communicates the how to be a neighbor very effectively. So yes, identifying and acknowledging who our neighbor is again, there are no exceptions uh, is important, but we see two examples of how not to be a neighbor so yeah. we see in the Good Samaritan of how to be a good neighbor is he sees a Jew, someone that he also had animosity likely for, yeah, and someone who probably deserved what he got in the cultural sense of like, this is a dangerous stretch of road.
0: yeah, Like <laughs> the, the guy got
1: what was coming to him. And so it's, again, you, you have just all these human reactions of like, mm-hmm. Why would I stop and help him? Like look yep. at him, and it, just all these things that we sometimes just pop off at the mouth and say, yep. or and even if we don't verbally say it, we we sometimes think it of. Well, that's what else would you expect? <laughs> and, and we just go on. So we see examples of how not tos, and then in the Samaritan we see a how to. Mm-hmm. We see that he takes his time, and maybe he's heading that way anyways, but he picks up the guy, he bandages his wounds, yeah. he takes him to the mm. end, he, he pays for him to be taken care of, and then he says, I'm going to give him even more money, and he's also, keep track of the bill, yeah. because I'm going to come back and make sure that it's paid in full. And so you see a guy who doesn't just simply take this guy to a place to be healed, he says, mm. I'm even going to come back and check on his well-being mm. And what we see is that how to, and again, it is a shift. It's an intentional shift yeah. of saying in our relationships, it's not just go what the, is culturally expected or do enough to maybe be perceived as someone who cares. Yeah. But we see an abundance present in the way that the Samaritan interacts with this man because he cares for him, it takes time, it costs him money and he doesn't just leave him at this place. He says, "Hey, I'm planning to come back to check on his well-being." And so, yeah. just to recap, that value give over get is looking to make a difference in the lives of others through generous living, rather than always wanting to receive more. So, looking to make a difference in the lives of others. This guy, yeah, was see. He saw this man. He he wanted to make a difference mm-hmm. in his life. Through his generous living and all these aspects, so it doesn't matter who we see. What matters mm-hmm. is that in that relationship, a difference is made because of how lives, of how how we live lives, that reflects abundance or this extra. And that's what generosity is. It's going above and beyond. It's this extra. It's this, this again. Just we serve a God of abundance who who gives us good gifts, and that should affect our life so much so, so it tangibly affects. Yep. Our relationship. So it's not limited to a minimum requirement, yeah. and our actions must go above and beyond what was required in a relationship.
0: Yeah. And I love it because it ties
1: directly into
0: one of the like core parts of our vision here at Generations. Like we are, we seek to expand God's family. Mm-hmm. And in this, you specifically see that there's this challenge to almost stop assessing others. And uh, you had yeah. this illustration uh not really illustration but almost kind of a metaphor of like basically taking people through a sift yeah of like don't sift people out like everyone is invited into god's family we want to expand to all people and you can't do that if you're picking and choosing in that sense and so your challenge was to quit assessing who should be your neighbor who can be in but just what does it look like to live out being a good neighbor yeah. In in doing this you even pose the question at the beginning uh, and you use kind of your illustration of you when you were a kid the kids <laughs> at the school of almost what is the minimal requirement. Yeah. I feel like it's such a cultural thing of us to kind of think about like how yeah. do we be a good neighbor? What is almost the expectation? Almost what's that level of when have we
1: finally been a good neighbor, and when can I stop? Yeah, when can I when can I opt out? Yeah, it's like sweet. I did I did what was asked. I was I was the good person, yeah. and I went just far enough. People will even give me that pat on the back, or you know, yeah. it's it's enough to post online, or it's enough for for others to recognize. And it's like okay, like and even to the point of like I did just enough so that the ball is in the other person's court. Yeah, like I and and it. And it takes your real responsibility just far. It like it places it in again the, like the ball in the other person's court to say, okay, are they going to take that step and give back to us, and so we can kind of sit back and wait. Yeah. But because we've we've met the minimum requirement, and now it's up to them. And yeah. so we see that oftentimes in our relationships where it's like, I don't want to go any further, yeah. and we have a hesitancy to go further, yeah. and. Again, we we've met that minimum threshold, and the question we have to ask is: Do we see that in what Jesus provides in the Good Samaritan, Mm -hmm. which comes on the other end of the question of what must I do to inherit eternal life? Mm -hmm. And the lawyer answers: You gotta love your God, love God with your total being, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So, Kyle, like, is there
0: almost like this set standard? Is there this requirement? At what point in which can we? label and say I was a good neighbor to somebody. Like we know, like we hear from him. He says like love God and love others, but like what what does that tangibly look like? Where is that line? Is there even a line? How would you encourage someone
1: in that? Oh man, that's that's it's a loaded question. I was gonna say it's such a difficult question because even as I sit here and, and go to answer that, it's like this this thing rises up within me to where I I wanna almost tell people. There is a line. Go to that line, and then you'll be safe. And you, know, whew, because it's 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 almost so challenging and so just countercultural to say maybe there's there's not actually a line. We see Jesus who gives up his life for us. Yeah. And we have to ask the question: Is that what we're called to? And that's that's scary and dangerous, and we don't like going there because we don't like to suffer. Like we we don't like the fact of my life is not my own. And as specifically followers of Jesus, yeah. we've surrendered our life to God, which that means our life is not our own. That means we can go further than yeah. most than most people because we serve a God who's been generous and gracious to us, and which is why our hope in heaven is we we have to cling to that because we know. The reward we get doesn't come on necessarily in this earth. It comes through our relationship with Christ and we'll be rewarded in eternity. So that, that kind of yeah. answer takes us back for, really for the last couple of weeks. And so is there a minimum requirement? Simple answer, no. I, we have to follow Jesus, be in line with him, be obedient to what he calls us to, and simply respond. And when we are following Jesus and we realize how generous he has been to us, when we see how he gave up his life for us, we will be able to extend that to others with no expectation of receiving that in return. And there are plenty of parables in the scripture where it says, lend and don't expect anything back. Give and, and don't expect anything in return because we don't have to. So really give over get is both is challenging, yeah. it's, it's scary because we realize that at some point we may not get anything back in this life. Yeah. But we've got to hang on to what we've gotten in Jesus. And ultimately, as, as I talked about in the sermon, is a good neighbor comes in surprising places. Family comes in surprising places. So the more we give, the more generous we are and we don't write people off, we may actually be surprised about how people reciprocate that generosity yeah. into our own life, in our time of need. When we're laying there and just metaphorically on the road, bleeding, broken, and robbed, mm-hmm. and someone can extend that level of generosity and care to us that maybe we've been outpouring to others.
0: Yeah, and that's challenging. And you know, I like because even Tim made a reference to Tim Ross, who's watching right now. He basically said he said he liked that concept of no line and that's such a countercultural thing and it's a tough thing to kind of wrestle with because it's like, at what point do I know I'm a good neighbor? Like so often we want that almost identity, that identification to say I was a good neighbor to this person because I met the threshold.
1: Well, and, and it's cause we want to justify ourselves. Yeah. And that's exactly what the the text, what the lawyer says is he says he's asking this because he wants to justify himself. Mm. And that's where we oftentimes want there to be a limit because we want to say, "I've done enough. I'm, I am in the right, and now the ball's in their court. The person's in the wrong, and it's an attempt to to bolster our position in the relationship. Yeah. It's a sense of pride and a sense of distinction. Mm-hmm. that actually, we we are called to be humble servants yeah. and humble followers of Jesus.
0: Yeah, and um, this is it's a easy thing in theory to talk about <laughs> yeah Kyle, let's let's talk about some of the, like the practical side to it because there we yeah. do deal with everyday life yeah there is struggles that come across the place um there could be struggles in a sense of that might just be the person you have to love yeah. and give to who you it you struggle to be around it could even be a moment of man i got to get somewhere but this person's in need here yeah. uh what what is your encouragement to people when it's that one person you don't mm. want it to be? When you might just when you maybe just don't have the time or don't have the resources or just don't know how to help in that moment? Mm. What does it look like and when when it's kind of a struggle of kind of wavering between how do I give in this
1: moment? Yeah. What's been really cool is as we've been teaching this series, is some of the best stories and illustrations for the series have come from our church community already living out this value. Mm. And it's just been such a beautiful thing. And so I think, John, if I'm gonna just going to answer your question in almost a direct fashion, the best direct answer is actually just to tell stories about how God has already working in our church community and how people are internalizing this mm. and living that out. And so, some of these people are, may be like, "How? are you? Why are you talking about me? Why are you? Why are you s- sharing these stories?" And I think it's, I want to celebrate and affirm that this isn't something that this give over get isn't something we just want people to aspire to. Yeah. But it's something that people actually are living out in our church community. So, give yeah. over get as terms of our value isn't just something that we want to aspire to, but it's it's something that's actual in our church community right now. Mm. Um, I think of uh, a guy uh, in our church community. His name is. His, is gabe so so <laughs> hi gabe if you ever watch this if you, if you watch this back i can to talk about you for a minute um so it's been really cool um they had something just happen personally in their home they've talked about it they've posted about it a dishwasher went out put it on facebook flooded their floor have been displaced from their home but over the last couple months whether it's been several people whether it's uh, whether it's Caleb or Jared or myself, and there's probably even others that I don't know about who have helped over the span of months, basically, gave rebuild um, his house, like from, yeah. it, from it being flooded, put in floors. And I think even Rich, someone who's connected with him at the branch, you know, has come at, like, given him tips and tricks to install different yeah. things. Uh, people have have watched Leah uh, for, so that Gabe and Carissa can can do this. And so yeah. what's been cool is there have been people who have gave and gave and gave to. Uh, to them, but what's so cool is this is who also who Gabe is, though, is he is someone who lives a give over get lifestyle. Mm-hmm. and so this this past week, I just Gabe uh, saw someone in our church community I won't, I won't bring up his name, but saw someone in need and says, "Hey, I'm trying to find a job. Um, I, I need a place to stay." And Gabe is like... He invites him to help tear down pipe and drape. And he's like, he's like, Gabe takes time after church to go build a resume with this guy. Help him put in applications to the job. He has two or three other people in our church community. Hey, where could you recommend this guy put in a, an application a job? He's awesome. going to check in on him through the week. He takes time. He he wants to make sure that his basically his rent's paid for the week. And right. so you see someone who has received... Um, just an outpouring of love and generosity. Then reciprocate that. Mm. Um, and I I love that uh that, that posture that Gabe, and, and the, the thing is is Gabe was doing that even before the the, the 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 his house was flooded. That that is who uh, Gabe was is being generous to others. Whether it's giving people rides, taking people to Bible studies, mm. um, taking time out of his his day and his week to spend time you know, caring and, and working for others and helping others out in tangible ways. Um, again, and you asked this question, so, so what about someone who you're a little bit more uncomfortable with? Mm. So the last couple of weeks, we have just had a guy who's been homeless, who's hung around uh, Generations Church. I went by the Legion today, and he was, he was there hanging out out front. And it, the guy just frankly smells bad. Um, he's got a big cart full of stuff. And it may be like, well, how do we interact with them? Do we welcome them in? What does it do? And I just, again, just proud of our church community. Whether it was been a couple weeks ago, uh, giving them a cup of coffee and vitamin them in to get some food, yeah. or, um, or even this week. I mean, the guy sat sat in our in our gathering and was just being interacted with. I, I'm super proud of Roy because he's done this a couple of times now. As we've had homeless people wander in and out of our church community, yeah. and people who are transient um Mm -hmm. roy struck up a conversation learned his name Mm -hmm. uh got to know some of his backstory uh learned that hey was a veteran and he's homeless and and some things like Mm -hmm. that and and roy made a great observation says hey man i i know that you don't have any socks can i go buy you a pair of socks would you wear them and the guy said yes and so roy uh again just great job went and grabbed a pair of socks for him yeah. He didn't broadcast that to our church. He didn't no. stand up and say, oh, hey, 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 guy, I'm going I'm yeah. to be back here when I'm going to grab a pair, uh, pair of socks for him. And I just I want to celebrate people like Roy and like Gabe. And we have more than that people who mm-hmm. have given up time to, to help out family, you know, people in our church community who've just lost uh, loved ones recently, yeah. whether it's. Just through meals or even, even giving of gas cards that just happen very naturally yeah. in our church community. That again, we may, be a, we may feel like, okay, we, we know we're never gonna get something back maybe from yeah. this homeless guy. We, don't, we may guess that, we may presume that. We don't, in fact, actually know that. And guess what? Even if he never gives anything back, who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, he's a human being. He is someone who has the image of God within him, who is worthy of love and respect and worthy of aid. And we are going to to help him. We're going to care for him. And we're going to offer the opportunity to say, hey, is there anything else you need and and present that? And so to answer again your question, I just think it's telling stories. And if you're listening to this and you're connected with Generation Church as someone who is the lead pastor, um, I just want to say good job. Like, thank you for being a part of Generation Church and living this value out, and, and let's keep going. Like, let's keep doing this, because uh, who knows what uh, Jerry is, is the guy's name. Who knows what happens to him? We want him to experience the love and the grace of Jesus, and mm-hmm. so if you are someone who is a little bit nervous, whether it's around maybe someone who's mentally disabled or handicapped, um or someone who's homeless and you're not quite sure how to interact with them. Yeah. Um, I think this is why it's so important to be connected to a church community. One, because it's not about you. Mm. Um, I think sometimes we struggle to interact with people who are different from us yeah. because we think it's about ourselves. Mm. Um, we're, we're worried about that image and that image management. And we're worried about protecting some sense of identity that we have built up. So it's not about us. It's about the love and care that we receive from Jesus and can extend to others. Um, remember that that other person is made in God's image. Um, and I would say the first thing that you can do is to help you remember that is look in their eyes, not in their appearance. Mm. Um, don't don't think about um, how how they're interacting, their mannerisms, but look in their eyes and see that they're a person Um don't be afraid to start a conversation. Uh, I would say, just another tangible thing to help you interact with people who are different than you is in that moment, pray. Say, God, I'm sensing my discomfort yeah. here. Please help me. Um, I need you to help me. Um, and then ask a question about them just personally. Yeah. Hey, what's your name? Who are you? Can you, can you tell me some of your, so your backstory? And even ask a question like Roy did. Hey man, I, I see you don't maybe don't have a pair of socks. Is that is that mm-hmm. is that a need? So ask a question about their need. And then you can think if you're running through a list here, this is probably number five. But I would say is what resources do you have to offer in the moment? Yeah. And if you don't feel like you have any tangible resources to offer in the moment, mm-hmm. who in the church community that you're connected to maybe have some of those resources? Yeah. So this is again why it's super important to be connected within the church community and know each other's stories. Yeah. Because maybe someone's got a broken down car, but you know someone in the church community that that you're a part of, hey, has experience of working on engines. Yeah. Great. Like maybe you can refer them and you can connect that person and say take some time <laughs> to go again above and beyond to help uh that person. So again, mm. you you, you got to think about what resources do you have to offer and then the Who do you know that might be able to help?
0: Yeah, I love it because you even hit on that a little bit this weekend. There's this importance of being the family in the sense that when we go out and we serve and we give to our community is that we're not doing this alone. Mm -hmm. In a sense that, that there comes a time in which you're like, honestly, I have no idea what will help this person. Or I don't know what resources to do. I don't even know where to find the resources that they need. Feel free to interact And share that need. Share because someone in the church might have a skill that can help them in that moment. They might have resources that can fill that need. And so, that I love that you bring that up and talking about that. And I mean, that truly is what it means to be God's family. And the fact that we're all a part of it, even that person on the side of the road, they are invited into that. So, let me kind of switch this. This is, we kind of talked about what when it's obvious to see a need present. Mm -hmm. Um, It was interesting yesterday. I was kind of reading through. Mm -hmm. I like to every now and then read through some statistics about our world or culture and just kind of church health in general. And there's this study by Barna, and it had an interesting poll in which basically it found that 33% of adults in the church, where is it? They felt that, that... Uh, Only 33% of young adults felt that someone cared for them, Mm. and only 32% of those young adults felt as though somebody believed in them. Mm. So Kyle, let me kind of flip this on its head a little bit of when you can see a need and its present, uh, it might be a little bit more easier to tackle. What does it look like every day to kind of live out this uh, give over get in relationships, in our lifestyle with others? Mm -hmm. Because some of these... Uh, can kind of go unnoticed and it even kind of blends into your story of Jimmy that you told about. I'll let you kind of fill us in on that. But even these needs uh that are underneath, the mm-hmm. I feel like people believe in me. I feel like people care for me, love me, support mm-hmm. me and encourage me because a lot of the times like that can be an hindrance yeah. or even a barrier for someone to advance in their growth if it feels like no one believes in me. Yeah. That no one cares for me, why would I continue to be a yeah. part of this community, <laughs> go here, do this stuff? If I don't have that belief, or even care or love from those
1: around me, mm. yeah, I, I I think of those statistics, and it's it's truly unseen, and it's. Mm. I just yeah, I, as someone who is is just processing those statistics, I I really just go like. We have got to. We've got to combat them. We've got to uh, deal with them. And and you're right. I, I did tell. I did tell a story about Jimmy. And actually, the story of Jimmy comes um, in part from a book called uh, "Difficult Conversations" and how to discuss what matters most. And the reason is because I think because we are adverse to the awkward and adverse to. The struggle oftentimes in a world today, we like that convenient. We like that yeah. ease. One of the locations that it shows up, the the adverse to the struggle and to uh, the awkwardness is in relationships. Mm. And so we've got to have, be in, have an ability to have, in this sense, difficult conversations. Yeah. And difficult conversations doesn't mean like critical conversations or – uh or even like you know, something's majorly there's a major conflict and we're trying to reconcile. Yeah. Difficult difficult conversations can even be some of these emotional, kind of psychological of these are some things I'm feeling and I'm not quite sure how to express them. And and sometimes it does manifest yeah. itself in interactions. Yeah. And what I talked about with within Jimmy was is he's really grown up in a family, he's one off, he's got to start a career, gone through college, and he's recognized that he's changed as a person. Yeah. But because of his prior relationships, there's difficulty in him going back to the to his family, to his friends from home yeah. because he has changed. And he feels like he's boxed in or um, and even even almost he wants to be boxed in because it's a pattern of comfort and to basically live in some of this new changed life, yeah. there's, there's going to be this relational difficulty. Will people respond and respect who I am now? How will my parents, how will my friends, how will they interact and react to someone yeah. that has grown? Mm. And again, one of the values that we have around generations, church, is progress over perfection. And so the assumption there is that f- as we follow Jesus, yeah. we're going to change, but there's a fear that comes with that of will people be able to cope and react with that change. And again, that's, that's very abstract in that. And you, you brought out a statistic for, for young adults. And I think what some of this is, how this connects and how this bridges the gap is we have to create time to spend with people. Mm -hmm. in this story with jimmy as i mentioned a friend who was able to ask some just difficult and direct questions how does a relationship with jesus shape these fears how does your relationship with jesus shape your interaction Mm -hmm. with a family there was a relationship and there was an intimacy and there was a vulnerability present so that this friend could then coach and walk jimmy through basically this awkwardness and uncomfortableness to help him persevere and be resilient in these other relationships. Yeah. And so what does, that, what does that mean for these other young adults who feel that way? If you're an older uh, member, part of a church, hear this from someone who is a young leader, young lead pastor. Mm. Um, young people want your wisdom. Yes. They want your life experience. Mm-hmm. They, want, they, want, they want your wisdom. They may not know it, always um, know how to ask for it. So if you are someone who's who's whether got some life experience advanced in years, don't wait for a young person to reach out to you. Mm. You reach out to them. You set up that appointment, that cup of coffee, and, and, and be willing to, to also say that you don't know it all and just be willing to ask some open-ended questions yeah. and be persistent in that and bring it back to time and time again of what is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection say about, you know, who maybe who they feel they are, the identity yeah. piece. And again, if you're someone connected with generations, it's maybe very natural for you to just use our values as, as a platform to ask questions of, you know, how are you putting spirit over self in this situation? How are you living out give over get? How are you seeing progress or perfection or story over sin come to bear? in your life and so again let's live out our name those who are connected to Generations Church of be a church that transcends multiple generations those who are old you know connect with those who are younger and even those who are who are younger you know invest in those who are even younger we have teenagers in and and around Mm Generations Church don't be afraid to reach out to them and connect with them spend time with them and that's what I would say is is the biggest piece of all is be willing to embrace the awkwardness and take the time to connect over a series of coffees or, or interactions yeah. and watch just what, what God might what God might do for that. And so one of those things that we do just functionally to promote that is, is John you're in charge of this you, you champion this well is community groups. Yeah. And so um we want pe- you to connect with people Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday, yeah. and to truly be everyday people, to, to have that conversation and connection yeah. mid, midweek. And so if we can help yeah. with that in any way of helping connect some of those pieces, I love the uh, How I Met Your Mother, uh, yeah. <laughs> Barney, and, and Ted is, again – Take it for what it's worth. They're trying to pick up chicks and Barney goes around and goes, have you met Ted? (laughs) So even in church on Sunday or even throughout the week, don't be afraid to go, Hey, have you met Ted? Or Hey, have you met John? Or, you know, or other people be a catalyst for relationships and know that those who are young, want people who believe in them, like it's, they feel like they don't have someone to believe in them, which means they want someone to believe in them. They want yeah. someone to care for them. Yes. They want that connection. Mm. And so don't be afraid to, to persist in that and embrace, yeah. embrace the awkward. John, I'm gonna throw this back to you as do someone who else, is, who else is a young leader who's someone. What, what do you sense in this? What pieces, as I've kind of talked in some of the abstract and said, yeah. hey, embrace the awkward? What what would you recommend to those who are older who may be nervous about connecting with those who are young, and what advice would you have for those who are young who may not know no. quite how to approach someone who's older?
0: Yeah, so I think there's almost a twofold uh, response, one from each, and it's I love this. Um, I love this issue because this is actually something that I spent some time studying in my undergrad and actually wrote kind of a practical <laughs> theology on it. So it's fun for me because I've studied some of this. And one of the most interesting things I've found in that study, talking about different mm. generations and how they interact with one another. And a lot of people are talking about the millennial and the younger generations of how they're kind of falling yeah. away from the church and everything. And it was fascinating. There's a statistic. It was 59% of the younger generation would stick with the church beyond high school, beyond college, if they had connections with the older generation in their church. Because what happens is you get the, it's so often, especially where I come from in mega yeah. church culture, is you have kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third, like you have individual middle school, you have high school, mm. and then when they get to college, they're kind of in limbo, and they're like, I don't go to high school services anymore. But I don't fit in in adult services because I don't know anyone there. There's no one really there. Mm -hmm. And then, honestly, a lot of places, college groups are lacking. And so often they'll fade out during that time. And a lot of what people are saying is, I would stick around if I actually had connections when I get out of high school. And I've seen that so much in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might have something similar. I even thought back to myself because I was going through a class and basically asked, Uh, who discipled you? Mm. And it was such an interesting question to kind of think who uh, poured into me over my time growing up And I came back to really two to three people formative in my middle school and high school years Mm. who uh, were—one of them was my youth uh, pastor, Joey. One of them was a um, small group leader in Chase Hunter who I had all in middle (laughs) school. And another one uh, who wasn't Mm. even my small group leader. He was another, like, just sponsored in our youth group. Actually, ended up baptizing me, still talk every now and then, Steve. And it was mm. so foundational to have some older people who'd pour wisdom in, who mm. would care, who would love, who took that awkward step and said, I'm going to hang out with some awkward middle school, high school kids and interact and care for them. And this can even apply like to people who are in their 20s, college age, young adults. Yeah. Like One of my things that I've been passionate about with community groups is that we're not going to have a yeah. uh, 60 and older, 50s group, 40. Like We're not going to... Split up based on age. I get coffee every week with someone who is a couple like a generation older than me. Like, and it's awesome. It's cool because he's at a completely different stage of life than I am, and Mm. he can speak in and say, "Man, like I've been through some of that stuff. Here's some suggestions, some advice I can give to you, and some wisdom he can pour in." And it's like, man, like that is just it's awesome to be able to receive Mm. that and feel that care and that love, and even just that support from someone. On my end, the biggest encouragement I give is that you have to be willing to be vulnerable, Mm. open, and honest. Okay. Because it's going to be like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's as awkward for them as it is for you at first. And if you're, I mean, if you're a younger person, you're kind of a turd about it and everything, then it's just going to turn that relationship away. We have to be open and willing to say, like, you have life experience. Let's just have a conversation. And if we can come to the same level, see, we're both followers of Jesus. How does... Uh, how has God shaped your story? How is he shaping mine? And how does that intersect? And we can have an honest conversation. So I got a a question
1: for you, John. Do you ever feel like you have to prove yourself And sometimes those conversations? Like you got to put off the appearance like you have it all together. So I'm asking you to be vulnerable here for a minute. But...
0: Dude, I mean, there's always that temptation and that pressure there, especially like for us. Like we've gone through... uh, Like I grew up in the church. I went to Bible college. I in doing ministry like in every day. And so like there is that pressure of, I have to almost keep this image mm. or keep this, uh, level of holiness, uh, yeah. you know, and to be able to find people in which I can say, honestly, this is what I'm struggling with yeah, this, this week. week, have that vulnerability and say, this is where I'm struggling. Can you how and allow them to kind of speak into that and them encourage support and even, for them to be able to say, how can I help in that? And for yeah. them, they can say, like, I'm struggling with this. And you can go, well, how can I help with that? Yeah. It, it's fascinating and
1: foundational to see what God will do with relationships like that. Yeah. When it comes back to, I think, the, the Good Samaritan passage in this way, is, is the person who is, is broken and bleeding and in need on the side of the road isn't always broken, bleeding, and in need on the side of the road. Sometimes yeah. it's someone who feels that way, emotionally psychologically inside yeah. and the only way to combat that is to take the time and the relationship and know that to care for that person it's going to cost you yeah. that it's, it may cost you purchasing dinners and say like, Hey, I'm going to buy you dinner tonight. Like let's go to dinner or I'm going to buy coffee or Hey, let's like, let's go golfing and let's, let's go to the driving range and like, let's take, let's process through. But it's, it's someone who is, is taking the time, the energy, even, even the willingness to say, Hey, I'm going to go work on my car later. Why don't you just come over and let's just talk and help, help me work on my car. So it's, it's it's yeah. side by side. It's time, it's energy, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's even finances yeah. to relationally invest in the care for someone yeah. who is maybe, maybe literally physically in need, but also just who is who maybe is emotionally, um and mentally in need there as mm-hmm. well. And so it just it takes time, it takes it takes that energy. And I I think of the people in my life who who were patient, yeah. who were loving, who were kind, and allowed me to process in a lot of ways the three questions that I even brought out in the application like process this week is the question of, am I competent, am I a good person, and am I worthy of love? Mm-hmm. Because that's what pre- prevents the yeah. vulnerability. I, I think as I think as a as someone who is again a young leader um, who interacts with a lot of older people is those questions are, are very real and very big. And I think, I think vice versa. Sometimes those are older who are more set, more comfortable with who they are and who God has created them to be. But especially like, I think of those statistics that you threw out about Barna, those those who are older know that those are the three questions that people are wrestling with. Mm -hmm. Am I competent? Am I a good person? And am I worthy of love? And they may never express it or say it that way, but that's what's that's the identity management, the image management that's in the back of their mind, which prevents an a vulnerability of being shared. And so just just being aware of that, I think is, is half the battle so that we can persist in time and relationship and be just very persevere and be resilient. I throw some of those words around because it again. It's gonna take time. Yeah. It'll take time. It doesn't happen overnight. This may this relationships, these relationships may need to form over a series of months, over a series of years before you truly see really the the relationship with Jesus blossom and and foster. Um that I think at the end of this, Mm -hmm. that's what we hope to see. Is we hope to see people grow closer to Jesus. We hope to see see ourselves grow into more christ likeness and that's where a lot of these relationships at the end of the day we are reflect a love for God and a love for people when we stop assessing them trying to size them up yeah. and assess where that and simply be present with them as on the other side of being present with Jesus thanks for joining us on today's podcast please subscribe also we'd love for you to share this podcast and our are- other social media with your family and friends. This will be a great way to hear our weekly teaching and additional conversations we're having around Generations Church. Thanks for joining us.